Oh, uh, well, uh, on your on your request, I actually checked out the um, the music videos for the, those three songs you told me about. Uh, what fly, fly for your life? Um, oh yeah, and tech, uh, the Technoir. Yeah, the the gunship songs. Yeah, Technoir and uh, oh, Par- Parzival and Artemis. Um, I actually liked them. I mean, of the three, I think Fly for Your Life was probably my favorite one. Nice. Um, but I actually watched the videos for it too, and the the videos were were pretty neat. Um, but the the best one was the Fly for Your Life. Yeah, yeah it's very cool. I really really liked the style of it. Nice. Um, and and like uh, the the music, the the opening to to Fly for Your Life actually really kind of reminded me of the the song from the Lost Boys, the, the Thou Shall Not Want. Was that oh, Cry, uh, was that Cry Little fall. Sister? Oh, that Thou Shall Not Fall. Okay. Yeah. No, that's Cry Little Sister. Okay. All right. Yeah. We talked about that last week, actually. Yeah, maybe that's like semi-isolated vocals. Maybe that's why cool. it was in my head. Okay, Jimmy, bring it on. You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 45. Rush out on an uptown train Doors open As she walks in She's soaking Caught in the rain Her skin shines Crystalline This is the Give Me Five podcast Where every week we discuss entertainment Then, based on our conversation, we come up with a top five list. Things like top five Transformers, top five vampire movies, top five superhero crossover movies, things of that nature. I am Jimmy, along with my co-hosts, Rob. What up, yo? And Greg. Hello. We are the Give Me Five podcast. And Rob is eating a snack. Yes. Oh, crap. You can hear that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I thought I was being quiet. It was a Reese's Peanut Butter mm. Cup. No, sorry. <laughs> this week, we will be discussing Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and Rob's snacking habits. <laughs> On the podcast. No. For an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, we will be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Marvel's newest release, the novella Rex Draconis, and the Netflix original Tau. Cool. But as always... This is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers. We'll try to avoid any major twists. Yeah, there might be some some reveals when we get to Ant-Man and the Wasp, though. So, yeah. if you don't know that Ant-Man can control ants or that Jimmy has been dead for the entire time, we've done this podcast and we've kind of weakened at Bernie's dim, then you might want to pause and come back later. What? <laughs> <laughs> we weren't supposed to tell him that. Damn. Oh, crap. My bad. Jimmy, pause and come back later. <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys. All of our listeners hear dead people. Anyway, guys, while the show is paused, or if you just feel like it, uh, leave us a review. And you can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Gimme 5 Podcast. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Gimme 5 Pod. And that, by the way, we've been there's been a lot of really cool theme park pictures popping up on our Instagram. Yep. Thanks to both Rob and Jimmy. Thank you. Word. So you, you definitely want to check those out because it's some things that if you don't live in Orlando, you get a chance to see some stuff that hasn't quite uh, you know made it to the public eye yet. Yeah. Anyway, you can also uh, email us at give me 5 podcast at gmail.com. 
And as I said before, please leave us a review. That is the best way to help us. And it's free. Yay, free. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's good. And uh, if you want something that's slightly less free, but you do get to wear a cool shirt afterwards, um, you can check out our store, gimme5podcast.threadless.com. Or you can go to um, our you can go to our Amazon page, which you can reach via the any of the podcast uh, show notes. Um, remember, guys, that Prime Day is coming up. There's lots of awesome deals coming out on the 16th and 17th. If you go through our link, you don't get charged anymore, but we get a little bit of money to uh, well, basically pay for uh, strippers and cocaine for Rob. And I go through a lot. Yeah. So every little bit helps. It also goes a little bit for server space. I thought this was a family show, Greg. What do you Man <laughs> You gave Greg, me a hard time about it. <laughs> Greg derailed that last week. <laughs> I did? Yeah. Did you go see that Randy Quaid video? <laughs> oh, yeah. Now we got a bunch of kids looking that up, so good Googling job. Randy Quaid. <laughs> All of the goodwill we got from the family friendly dinosaur episode is ruined. Completely ruined. Yeah. Uh so what's new, guys? Well, I've got some pretty cool news um, regarding the group Gunship, who was actually, I'd have to say they were one of my intros to the new retro style of music. Yep, same here. After the Tron soundtrack and the Drive soundtrack, that's pretty much the next step. Yeah, they're just a really talented group out of the UK. And recently, within the past week, they have started teasing what I can only assume is new material. People are freaking out about it. If you go to like their Facebook page or their Instagram page or whatever it is, they put like gunship RIP. Yep. And people are like convinced that they're breaking up. Well, and they're like, they're going nuts. Yeah. I don't think they should be. We have a Friday the 13th approaching this week. Um, so by the time you guys are actually hearing this podcast, um, there might be some new material for gunship. Now, that image that Greg mentioned was the first that they posted. It was a, a series of headstones uh, drawn very cool. And then they posted it again with a bunch of names on the headstones. So some of the names, and we're going to make kind of a little game out of this. Nothing nothing crazy. This will be but, a game that Rob is actually really good at. Yeah. Okay. So. No pressure or anything. Um, so. Just first on the headstone is the name Kat Von D. Um, that one I know. That's the tattoo lady. Yes. Yeah. Kat Von D is a tattoo artist. She used, um, I believe, Vela Shadows on one of her Instagram videos. And I, I guess, you know, she's got a huge following on there. So, you know, gave some kind of props to... Um, to gunship, which is pretty cool. Uh, the next name on there. So here's the one. Uh, do you know who this is? Tim Capello. I do. Nope. Well, don't look. <laughs> Tim Capello is. Uh, was... That's a shirtless saxophone guy from Lost Boys. Oh, yep. is it really? Yep. Mm-hmm. So his name's on there. Um, the name Alex Murphy is on there as well. Rob. Is that Robocop? That, that is. is Robocop. Nice. Uh, side note Neil Blomkamp's next movie is going to be Robocop Returns. Oh, so, Lord. Ooh. I know. Um, Guy Bush Threepwood. That one I don't know. What? Guy, Guy Bush what? Guy Bush Threepwood. I had to look this up. He's a villain from the game Monkey Island. Yeah, I would have not got that. Richard K. Morgan. That'd be an author, correct? Yes. I don't, I don't know what. what. He's the author of what we know as Altered Carbon. 
oh, for okay. the Takashi Kovacs trilogy. Um, Will Wheaton. Wesley I don't know Crusher. who that is. Who is that? Wesley Crusher from Star Trek. <laughs> uh, Will Wheaton, Space Nerd. RJ McCready. Oh, I know the name. Don't. Well, as soon as I hear McCready, I think of Pearl Jam, so it's not that. I I, <laughs> I think of the crazy country singer Mindy McCready. It's Kurt Russell's character from the movie The Thing. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. A couple of these you guys are not going to know. I'll be surprised if you do. Una Healy, she's an Irish singer. Nope. Stella LePage is a singer as well. Um, just the name Indiana. That could be Indiana Jones. Maybe. Or, or the dog that they named Indiana. <laughs> that was George Lucas's dog's name, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I know that Indiana Jones uh, named his dog Indiana. Okay. Um, Carl Brown, <laughs> some guy. He's a guitar <laughs> player or something. He's got an Instagram account, but you have to request to follow him. This is my favorite one. Alan Dutch Schaefer probably ah. goes by Dutch. Is it from a movie? Yes. I want to. I was gonna say. I want to say it is because I want to say it's like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or something. Greg, I have no idea. Dutch Arnold Schwarzenegger's character from Oh Raider. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He so, goes by Dutch. I was right, but I didn't <laughs> get the movie. In the, in the past six days, they've been posting their uh, previous album cover, uh, gradually being eclipsed. By a moon, um, a dark planet. So I can only assume that on Friday the thirteenth we will have something new from Gunship. So I'm yeah, super their, excited. Their previous about album cover has that like that eighties style like sun if, thing. If you guys have been with us since the beginning, it's kind of the same thing we had. Well, I did see one thing. This is going to kind of another little game here. Uh, the Halloween Horror Nights uh, Twitter page just put up a little quiz or another little clue. It just said, by the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. That would be... Something wicked this way comes? Yep. By the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. So that is their... Wayne's the World. Yes, they're going to have a Wayne's World haunted house. Wayne's World okay. 2. They're not doing something wicked this way comes, are they? I'm guessing it's Wizard of Oz, based on the leaks I've seen. By the pricking of my thumb? Well, something wicked this way comes, like the Wicked Witch of the West. Right. Either way, that is that is the new hint from the Halloween Horror Nights Twitter mm. page. Um, we have seen a few leaks that said that Wizard of Oz are com- is coming, so I'm cool. guessing that's what that is hint- that is hinting, like a dark version of Wizard of Oz. So that's one of the things I I saw. And I got a couple of little bits here. Uh, Jeremy Renner has been added to the cast of Spawn, so we now have two big names associated: Jamie Fox and Jeremy Renner. All right. I don't know who he's playing. Possibly a I don't know. J- Jeremy Renner. Can he's playing that, Hawkeye. But... <laughs> Yeah, he's talking. He's jumping universes. That's where he was during Infinity War. That's right. Uh, the lineup of EDC Orlando has been released. There's a bunch of bands that, or a bunch of DJs that I don't know the names of because I'm an old guy, but I do like the uh, pretty flashing lights at the show. But the two big ones that I picked out of the list were Martin Garrix and Tiesto, both who I'm looking very forward to seeing. I, I know of Tiesto. And Martin Garrix has a song called Animals that you hear a lot when watching football. Also, so with the. The very like I don't know like it sounds like how it goes. bamboo kind of drum thing. It's pretty neat. Do you it. Know it. No bamboo kind of drum thing. Yeah, I want to hear Greg do it. No, nah, it's not going to happen. Okay, do it, Greg. Do it. Not no. There's no possible way it could. Um, also of note, I saw that um, there was a release announced for September 28th, uh, a four CD box set of previously unreleased uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers stuff. Ooh. 
Um, it's scheduled for September 28th. It's it's the first posthumous release of material since Tom Petty passed away. And that's kind of interesting. Wonder what from what era? If it's like all different eras, it, or... it, I I believe from what I saw that it was like all different eras. It had like unreleased footage and stuff like that of of various songs and and also different versions of songs. I believe it was. Huh. Um. Yeah. It'll have uh. It'll contain sixty tracks, unreleased studio recordings, live recordings, deep cuts, and alternative versions of famous Tom Petty songs. I have to check that out. So oh, Rob is bringing the music. That's right. Nice. It's set for, Very like cool. I said, it's set for release on September 28th. But that also does bring up a question that we have talked about in the past. Um, mm-hmm. Like if, because typically when bands release albums, they do a tour. Would you go see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers without Tom Petty? No. Greg? Uh, probably not that one. But the members of the Heartbreakers are very good musicians. And if they were doing like a small tied up, like club type tour with maybe some storyteller type stuff and playing their own music, but also throwing in some songs. I would be interested in that. Okay. Um, a couple other things real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Ditko died. If you do not know that name, Steve Ditko is the co-creator of Spider-Man and Dr. Strange in the comic yeah. book world. Uh, he was 90 years old. He also created. What did he die Stacey from? <laughs> parachuting. He was, he was a, yeah. it was a parachuting <laughs> accident. He wrecked his Harley driving down the interstate. Exactly. <laughs> Um, created Gwen Stacy, who you guys might remember from uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Hawk and Dove. Uh, Steve Ditko actually left Marvel Comics in 1966. So oh. everything that he created for Marvel Comics happened before then. But created Hawk and Dove for DC, Norman Osborn or the Green Goblin, Squirrel Girl, Blue Beetle for DC, J. Jonah Jameson, The Question. And much of what we know of, at least on this kind of street level and or the uh, ethereal kind of mystic part of parts of Marvel came right out of the brain of Steve Ditko. Um, he was actually one of the first artists that drew helmets as kind of form fitting to the head instead of like a big, like you know, dome or like bucket kind of helmet. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, that style has carried on throughout. So I'm sorry to hear that he's, that he died. He lived a great life and you know, our condolences to his family and friends. Lots yeah. of, uh, very hard to find research on him. Um, yeah. I read that apparently he he worked in a studio up until 2012. Yeah. Um, at the uh, you know ripe old age of maybe 84. Yeah. Um, I I could only find like two pictures of the guy, you know. But sad to hear it, you know. So yeah, a little sad news. And I think at one point we were talking a little bit about other comic book things that we would like to see get turned into TV shows. I don't know if it was a, an official Give Me Five thing, but I did mention why The Last Man would make a great TV show, and they did start casting. It's going to have uh, the lead character, Y, or York, is going to be played by Barry Keoghan, who... Barry Keegan. Barry Keegan. Is that it? He's a Irish actor slash boxer who is most recently known for, I think, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, amongst a couple other things. Uh, Diane Lane will be in it. Imogen Poots. And Lashana Lynch, who will be seen in Captain Marvel, will be in that. And I looked at Barry Keegan, and he doesn't look like my idea of what why the last man should look like. He's a little bit more like he's a little more uh, pugilistic looking, but we'll see. I'm totally unfamiliar with why the last man. Uh, it's a really good story. It's basically a, a virus kills all of the men on the planet. Oh, okay. And all the women kind of take over, and there's some that are like very happy about this. 
There's some that are like, well, is humanity doomed? Uh, there's a lot of things that the answer, stop working. The answer is yes. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of little things like, you know, there were some astronauts out in space on the space station. What happened? Did they die also? What, what killed them? Um, the other interesting thing they like, at the time that it was written, like 98% of all airline pilots were men. So all these people died at the same time. Mm-hmm. So there's no more like airplanes basically because they all crashed if they were up in the air mm-hmm. and there's no way to like really travel long, far distances. So it just, you know, the guy that wrote it, um, uh, forget his name now, but the guy that wrote it did a lot of research about a lot of these jobs that were primarily men at the time in the late nine or I guess early 2000s and just kind of brought that into his story. And it's a, it's a very it's an interesting story. And I'm kind of in, intrigued as to see uh, where it goes like movie wise or TV show wise. Okay. I also um, managed to pick up a uh, NES classic, sat down and immediately got into the nostalgia, started playing like Metroid and Mario Brothers and Mario Brothers 2. And it's, I, I, I got to admit, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I keep, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to build a little, I'm going to build one, get retro pie on a little, you know, eh, eventually maybe. I'll get one. That's awesome that you found one. Okay, guys. I think it is time for Snap Decisions. Okay, so Snap Decisions, we bring up a topic and ask a question related to it. Uh, The questions, we kind of go into these questions blind. And we have one minute with which to answer said question and kind of discuss it amongst ourselves. They can be about anything from... Food to movies to music to whatever. It's just a good place for us to talk about random things that might have caught our eye. So I've got a few, but uh, do you guys have any? Um, I do not. I do not. You kind of did, Rob, but you just asked it earlier. Oh, yeah. What The, the Tom, Tom Petty, Petty one. Thing? Yeah. yeah. Well, but so, we've already also talked about that. So Yeah. Uh, so this one actually came in from a listener. Ooh. Yeah. Omar asked, are you upset that Justin yes. Bieber is engaged. Well, you know, no, no, that's not what he asked. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, there is a Joker origin movie that is coming, starring Joaquin Phoenix. And do you guys feel that origin stories ruin a character for you? If so, why do you think that is? I can go first. Go for it. So, origin stories really don't don't ruin it for me. They can really help to establish a character. Um. It just depends for me who does it right. You know, just, okay, do this Joker origin story and then don't do it again. You know what I'm saying? Don't, like, we, you got Jared Leto playing Joker and now you're going to have Joaquin Phoenix playing Joker as well. It, it just, if it's every few years that a director feels like they need to rehash it, like, we already know the story of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, Homecoming didn't insult us with that. So, you know, um... Just as long as it's done right. It it doesn't really ruin it for me now. Cool. Rob, you got anything? It doesn't ruin it for me. This this may we may need to change the segment to agreeing with Jimmy. It <laughs> it doesn't ruin it for me as long as they don't screw it up. I don't so mind based I don't on mind, the quality of the content. Then. Right. I don't mind seeing an origin story. You you give me are we talking about standalone movies or are we talking about how they talk about an origin story inside another movie? standalone that the entire story is basically the origin story okay if you give me something like batman begins 
Fantastic. If you give me something yep, like Wolverine up. Origins, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it really depends upon the product that they put out. If it looks like it's a, a blatant attempt at a cash grab, I mean, the audience is going to recognize it. It's I Probably. Mean, yeah. Cool. And at least for me, it kind of depends on the character. If the character is supposed to be a relatable character, like a Spider-Man, like even to some extent a Captain America who it's kind of hard to relate to him, but he's what he stands for you're supposed to relate to. I think an origin story can be powerful. If the character is supposed to be more mysterious, like a Joker, a Wolverine, like you mentioned, I think it could very well ruin the character. And I'm coming to this from the comics side of things where like Wolverine, they did an origin story and I feel like that character was sort of ruined afterwards. Like the, the mystery of the character was, you know, ruined. It's, there was always these like little mentions of him in world war two and him doing this and him doing that. And then actually seeing it, it wasn't nearly as good as you, what you had in your mind. I think even on like trying to explain like a horror movie, for example, trying to explain like someone like Michael Myers, it kind of ruins it for me. Okay. But it's, it really depends on the character, I guess for me. Gotcha. That scared me a little bit. What was the origin of that sound? Napalm death. There you go. And I can do another one. This one's going to be quick, quick answer. I think, uh, Marvel comics or Marvel movies, Marvel entertainment just had its 20th straight number one movie in a row. Wow. Yeah. So basically every release they've had hit number one on its first week. Okay. So it's just, it's just opening week. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay. That's not, that's even better though. It's not like it did it the second week or whatever. So it's all, every single one. Right. But, but that also, that also doesn't necessarily reflect solely on the movie. That also will reflect upon the competition that week as well. Because well, everyone it, dives out of the way. Yeah. If they're the only game in town, it's not really that hard to be number one. Mm-hmm. If you're right. just competing against yourself. <laughs> that's still I'm pretty impressive. No, no studio has ever done it. Mm-hmm. So 20 straight number ones. It was revealed, I think today or yesterday, that they have movies up to 2024 on their slate. We know of a few. Obviously, there's going to be a Black Panther 2. There's going to be the next Spider-Man movie. There's going to be uh, Avengers 4, Captain Marvel, all those. Yeah. Um, so can can they keep doing it? Do you think that? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, short, short answer, uh, yes. Because people want to tie all these movies together, and that's exactly what Marvel's doing. People are going, man, how does this movie connect to the last movie? I, I think they could do it for another 20 movies, to be honest with you. Every time Marvel comes out, a Marvel movie comes out, it's such a hit. I didn't think Ant-Man was going to be as big as it was, but like Rob said, Rob made a really good point. Um, hey, I think a lot of studios just dive out of the way when a Marvel movie's coming out. Is that your... You that's done? my final answer. Final answer. All right. Um, yes, they can continue it as long as they continue to put out a quality product. I think, I think if the quality of their movies starts to slip, people will get tired of the superhero genre. If, if they don't stay on top of their game, they're going to have problems. But if, as long as they continue to put out the product that they've been putting out for the last 20 movies, yeah, the, the next 20 movies will still, will still release it number one. And like I said, it, you know, it's it's going to be a big factor that, you know, studios are just diving out of the way so that they don't have to go up against these monsters when they come out. So, okay, that makes sense. And I believe that does it for Snap Decisions.
I always don't feel like I sound drunk when I say decisions. 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 Yeah. yeah. I like the way Rob says it. <laughs> so first this week, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about the novella Rex Draconis under the mm. dragon moon. We actually spoke with the author of this novella. Uh, I'm going to keep saying because it sounds cool. Um, though don't, don't be confused by that because when, you know, we talked about it, I figured novella, um, was going to be short, not really short. It is by the author Richard Allen Knack or Richard A. Knack, who wrote my favorite fantasy novel of all time, The Legend of Huma. You can check out our interview with him. Yeah, if you if you guys friend him on Facebook, this is for the listeners and I because I know you guys already are. Um, he offers really good deals through his page mm -hmm. where he'll be like, if you buy this book, I'll give you this one for free. And they usually come autographed and stuff like that. So, like, if you find what we're talking about interesting with um, with Rex Dacronis or um, really any of his books, keep an eye on every week he does a special deal. A uh, really nice guy. And, you know, he's if you like that type of novel, like fantasy novels and all sorts of good stuff with Minotaurs, Dragons, et cetera, et cetera, I would definitely check that out. So, yeah. Continue, and, Jimmy. No, absolutely. And like you said, uh, you know, that is that is his world. He is a world builder. And with Rex Dragonis under a dragon moon, he sets out to um, build another world. And and he does. And it's full of, you know, minotaurs. And um, there are dragons, of course. There are human warriors. There are elves, you know, mysterious elves, uh, dwarves, and, and lots of magic. Um, there are two balancing forces in this world called the Fafni and the Fafni. And they're um, they're balancing, but they're untrustworthy forces because they have their own agenda. And each of them try and pull people in to help them with their agenda, um, whether that seems evil or not. Not one of them is exactly good or evil. So it's got a, a great wizard character in there by the name of Amble. He's just it seems like a bumbling wizard, you know, kind of you know, stumbling Gandalf until he hmm. sets his staff down and says, you shall not pass. And you say, man, that dude's a badass. Um, <laughs> there are these just really sinister um, evil characters called the Ware, and they're described as these these canine um, warriors and the, some of the, the battles with them are, are pretty intense. Um, Richard Knack writes battles very, very well. It's, it's a, you know, don't be deceived by novella. Um, you know, it, it, just because I don't say book. Um, it's, it's a, it's a good long read, but it's, it's a page turner. Is this introducing us into a new world? Yes, it or is. Or is it part of a world that's already existed? Nope. We are, um, introduced to a new world. Okay. In this, so he establishes, you know, the heroes, um, the races that that you know are here, and you know, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to Lord of the Dragon Moon, and you know, more from the author of Black City Saint and Legend of Huma. Like Greg said, you can check out his page for some awesome deals, and just kind of see, you know, he's very actively involved in. Um, building worlds and stories for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, check them out on facebook.com forward slash Richard Allen Knack. 
That's Richard A L L E N K N A A K or Richard I hope you guys also check it out at some point so you can let me know what you think. And also of note, Rex Draconis is available on Audible. I actually just purchased it with a credit. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Is, is there, um, you haven't started listening to it yet, but definitely. Yeah, let me know what you think. He's just going to tune us out for the rest of the episode and just listen to his new audiobook. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, what were you saying? I was listening to a book. Nice. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. In fact, you probably could tune us out when we talk about Tao because I don't believe you've uh, you've watched that yet. Um, I watched the trailer. Does that count? Yeah, it's good enough. The other day I was sitting around watching Netflix or looking through Netflix to see what I wanted to watch and I just finished up Glow and or Glow season 2 finished up the toys that made us including the hello kitty episode nice which by the way have you got, and you guys haven't watched that one no yeah. i watched it uh, you watched it and you never decided to bring up the fact that there is a hello kitty <clears throat> back massager oh we're going there <laughs> really definitely not really a back massager yeah not a back massager and the the hello kitty designer lady was looked like a human version of hello kitty yeah yeah she, she did yeah anyway little creepy and weird but anyway um i saw that there was a new movie it was in the banner it was called tau so did a little bit of research it looked good the cast was actually pretty good uh it had ed screen from uh daredevil or daredevil sorry deadpool uh gary oldman is the voice of tau it had micah monroe who's a an up-and-comer but she was she's an independence day the and it follows so pretty good cast and I decided to check it out, and I think Jimmy did as well. I did. I actually watched it today. Yeah, and I know Rob has not. So it is one of those direct-to-Netflix-type movies, and the the tagline is basically, a woman is held captive by a scientist in a futuristic smart house and hopes to escape by reasoning with the artificial intelligence that controls the house. And it was sort of like a one-room-type situation. It reminded me a little bit of Cube okay. or... Um, Saw or saw, yeah. Starts off the the girl. Uh, I was she a she was a dancer or a prostitute or something. I I was kind of getting ready for bed when I started it. But uh, neither of those. I think she was just a thief. Thief. Okay. Yeah. She was she was up to something. But I was like I said, I was watching mm-hmm. it from like kind of across the room, actually in a different room. And Immediately then reminded me of Lilu from Fifth Element with the red wig that she was wearing. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. And she basically gets kidnapped with a bunch of other people and... Well, not a bunch, just two others. That's and not at the same time. Well, I'm saying they all end up in this house, in the same house. You said she gets kidnapped with a with a bunch of other people. Yeah, I was referring to the fact that they all ended up together. Okay. And the other... it, I thought the movie was going one direction, and it ended up kind of going a different direction in the fact that the other people don't really last very long. And it's this... Very nice, very modern-looking house. It's and it's controlled by a computer or an artificial intelligence named Tao, and so that's kind of what the movie is about. And she has to, she's trying to escape. And I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was an interesting take on that kind of story. What could have been just a a story of her trying to escape? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think? So I immediately just thought of Saw. Um, I had not actually seen the trailer, so I didn't really know what to expect. I got home and saw that you had seen this movie. So I was like, well, let me go ahead and watch it. So see, he's got somebody else to talk to about it. Um, at first I thought it was just going to be a futuristic saw. 
because you know these 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 characters these this bunch of people these three people are um have something impl- implanted in the back of their neck and they're seemingly mm-hmm. being emotionally tortured by this uh scientist Alex or Ed Screen mm-hmm. um aka Dario Naharis from three episodes of Game of Thrones um nice. he was the original Dario yeah but he was and he's basically uh, evil Steve Jobs in this movie yeah and that's revealed through a series of you know pictures on his wall um He's on the cover of like Fortune. He's like hot AI pioneer. And like Wired magazine. Yeah. yeah. So he's created Tal, who is the entity. Uh, I had no idea it was Gary Oldman. Not a clue. Um, that his voice is kind of like a like a Hal nine thousand from two thousand one Space Odyssey. Very uh, passive voice, which kind of worked for the creepiness. Mm, it was. I yeah. I I didn't think it worked. It first um it it i think it worked more so when the main character was starting to reason with the ai and 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 that happened kind of quickly i think but it made sense um i think the um ed screen's character alex left uh left a doorway open there for the ai to become self-aware and to learn and to become more and more curious Mm -hmm. for knowledge um so I think at that, you know, when it, the AI became softer, I think the voice definitely worked out a lot better. Yeah, when she was like teaching them about the outside world. Or that was very, yeah, that was very cool. There was a, you know, the, there were some good parts and there were some not so good parts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the uh, the main character after after busting out of this this kind of prison in the house. Um, and like Greg said, the character, the other two characters not lasting very long at all. You don't make any connection with them. Um, you know, she's, she's an exceptional subject for this scientist research, uh, Patrick Bateman, real perfectionist, you know, I, I think he's a germaphobe, sociopath, you know, yeah, he, he's very much, he comes in and he runs his finger you know, across the top of the counter and he checks it. Um, to make sure that his little drones, like these little like spheres with wings, like have cleaned it properly Yeah, when he was gone at work. And it's, and what's interesting is he's actually programmed the computer system to feel pain. And he's got this little remote control that he can like torture the computer, which it's kind of a weird, it's a weird idea, but it's also something I haven't really seen used in a movie before and it's also kind of one of the reasons that the main character julia was able to kind of use to you know connect with this computer like it doesn't she doesn't outwardly say it but the fact that she's always nice to him despite the fact that this thing is programmed to keep her there and possibly kill her allows her to kind of make headway into you know understanding well in in into manipulating it yeah um you know which which is her intent when she finds out that the AI will actually learn and listen from her and it's her goal in the beginning to, you know, um, find out a way to get out of this house. Although she, she's starting to become treated better. Um, this, this guy has this deadline for this multi-billion dollar contract and he's using her who, like I said, you know, she's exceptionally smart. She's, um, he's, drawing 
um, energy from her emotions by putting her through this machine mm-hmm. and kind of extracting it from the thing that he put in her neck. So every day when he goes to work, she has to solve these puzzles, um, do these kind of cognitive functions and, you know, to, to kind of confirm that she's a perfect subject for this all the while she's manipulating Tao and eventually forms this, you know, relationship with the AI. Mm-hmm. And right around the time that she kind of convinces the AI to help her is really when you see the, the Alex character finally start snapping, you know, the, there might be a, a little mess here and there. There's, he sees that the AI is kind of, not falling for her, but you know, helping her a little bit and has befriended her. Kind of slacking. Yeah. And he's starts threatening it with, you know, erasing the memory and and just torture. And I don't know, I just thought it was a really interesting idea because, you know, the the fact that the AI is learning and is is artificial intelligence, but could be easily reset to a point where it doesn't know anything yet was just a another interesting take on artificial intelligence. It was clever. Yeah. Um, it, it was clever to that degree. There was a line in there where, you know, it's later in the film where the main character, Julia, she's asking Tao, she says, well, why, look, we can, we can take him down. We can kill him. Why won't you help me kill him? And then she, you know, he's, Tao says, well, don't you worship the person who created you? Mm-hmm. And that was just a very good, set off a very cool stage of sequence you know uh set off a very cool sequence after that and it's um, and that actually gave you another bit into her where she's like well the person that created me wasn't that great yeah um led to probably the coolest special effects scene in the movie where tao kind of shows her the other side um kind of projects the ai into the room and and he's this he's a really fuzzy character Mm-hmm. And he kind of reaches out and they, they touch hands and he, you know, kind of zooms back into the wall and um, Alex comes home. Mm-hmm. Now, that was awesome. But there were some real your type special effects in that movie as well. There was some <laughs> real bad compositing in it. There was. Awesome. But yeah, the stuff I liked very much so was the, the HUD display. The HUD graphics. My child is calling to me. Uh-oh. Yep. So the heads-up display, basically, um, what you see when Tony Stark is in the Iron Man suit, mm-hmm. right? So he's looking around. He's got the kind of targeting, targeting systems. Um, it, it's very well done. I agree. And it's it looks great. It's you know appears on a on a wall, appears on a screen. That stuff looks great. I thought that the the end sequence didn't look great, and I got it. No, there's like that. there's like explosions, and there's a scene. There's an explosion and Julia flies across the room and ends up under one of these like styrofoam blocks. And it's just so obvious that it doesn't weigh anything. Oh, really? Yeah. And, you know, there there are a couple uh, some compositing problems where Rob basically to describe the, the drones who you, I'm sure you've seen where people program these drones to fly in swarms. Yeah. I mean, they did it over Disney Springs as well, you know, right, last right. year. And that's kind of what happened. It, yeah, it really was. You know, we'll see what happens in the wintertime when the weather's a little bit more stable. But um, they come out and they're they're programmed in that way. 
they can clean the floors. They can okay. create barriers. They're little tiny things. They're about not even the size of a tennis ball. Um, and they look pretty good sometimes. And then at other times they look pretty, pretty bad. They look like tennis balls. Uh, not so much like tennis balls. They just don't look like they match at all with the lighting. Um, gotcha. it's like they, they blew their budget on the house robot named Ares that, uh, it's kind of Tao's, uh, enforcer. So Tao lives in the walls, basically. Tao's the computer. Right. But he's, he's got this robot that can, you know, go punch things or keep people in line or tie them to, uh, kitchen, uh, appliances if, if Alex, you know, deems it so. Right. Now, is it the guy who played Alex? Isn't he Beast from the uh, from the new X Men movies? Is he? I he looks like him. He looks like the guy who plays Beast in the uh, that's the so X Men movies. Um, I don't believe so. No, I'm I'm looking at his IMDb right now, and I see he was he was Ajax in Deadpool. Oh, okay. that's great. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's. Take the good with the bad for this one. I think overall, like Greg said, it's a it's a good take on kind of the AI story and AI learning from people turning turning against their masters. And um, I'm not going to watch it again. No. Absolutely no desire to watch it again. But it's a it's a solid hour and a half. And Greg, do you have anything else to say? About no, it? you know, it's one of those little Netflix movies that comes out, and it's something to watch. It's not bad by any stretch of the means. It made me think a little bit, and it's just yeah, a little something different every so often. Cool. So while I have not seen it, both Greg and Rob have seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. So why don't you guys tell me about it? Okay. Ant-Man and the Wasp, it was very much in line with the first Ant-Man movie, both tonally and it didn't take too many swerves from the original movie. Wow. Yeah, it, it pretty much kept to the formula. Yeah. And it seems to be a formula that's that's showing up more and more in, like, all of the Marvel movies. Yeah. Would you, Actually, I mean, well, would you I, agree with that, or...? I think it's just different enough. Okay. Like, it's not by any means Thor different, but... Is it a lot of Paul Rudd just looking at the camera going, huh? Huh? Nah, not at all, uh, actually. No, okay. not at all. But but like what I'm saying is is the the tone of like the Thor movies has changed throughout because the first Thor movie wasn't near as as comedic Funny, as like cheap. Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. was. Yeah. So right. it, it it seems like it seems like the Marvel universe is kind of shifting towards having just about all of their movies be that comedy action type movie. Oh yeah, well I definitely think that. When I when I thought you meant formulaic, I thought you meant like for example, um, the first Ant Man movie was mm-hmm. very similar to the Iron Man movie, okay. like story-wise, even okay. like villain and everything like that, which this one, I thought this the story kind of came out of, there was some coincidence, but it really did come out of the characterization of the characters and what was going on with them. So I actually kind of thought that the story for this one was pretty good, mm-hmm. and it pulled me right through the movie. It didn't, nothing came out of left field, um, and it really built on the first movie, personally, I thought. Uh, so real quick, plot points i guess uh the wasp or uh i get all the van dyne characters hope van dyne i believe yeah and her father who is the original ant-man are tr- have realized that their long-lost mother who is actually stuck in the quantum zone having shrunk down to super microscopic size to get into a nuclear weapon 
which you saw in the first movie is like a flashback. Mm-hmm. So they're busy trying to um, get into the quantum zone to rescue her. You said the flash is in this movie. Yeah, sure. The flash can be in there. Okay. <laughs> wow. You really need to see this movie. So they're doing that. Ant-Man is currently on house arrest, which is one of the reasons they mentioned in Avengers Affinity War that he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And he's just about to get out of house arrest, and I believe in three days. Three more days. So. And he is currently stuck at home and with his daughter, and they're building really cool little like ant escape things. How awesome was that little thing that he had set up? It was awesome. It was funny because like, you kind of forgot he was on house arrest when he did that, and you're like, well, what else is he doing with his life? And he built like that giant slide mm-hmm. out of cardboard boxes. Down and the then they, yeah, and then he, his foot breaks through the fence and it, of course sets off the alarm eventually. And you get the, the bumbling FBI agent type guy who's actually a character f- from the comics for like since like the seventies, I think. Really? Yeah. I think it's one of the characters that pops up as like the default FBI guy whenever something goes on. But anyway, so they do that and eventually he gets sort of, uh, borrowed to try to help out with this whole situation. And the plot kind of carries on from there. Um, very little, if well, really none of the movie takes place where it has anything to do with Infinity War. Correct. Which, and in fact, the movie takes place before Infinity War. That's yes. something that we should probably point out. Yeah, even though the movie came out afterwards, it came, takes place before. And Infinity War so was great, but it was very dark, and of course, we all have talked about the ending. Mm-hmm. And even the previous few Marvel movies, I guess, other than Thor have had sort of dark aspects to them mm-hmm. in between guardians of the galaxy two with the whole infecting the mom thing. We were spoiling all sorts of stuff here. Um, the even black Panther had some pretty dark ideas and you know, this one was a light kind of heist movie. And it was a, like, I, I wrote down as a joke, perfect antidote to infinity war. And I think it was the right movie to come out after infinity war. I like how you kept talking after that. So nobody would make fun of you. <laughs> you can make fun of me i'm okay with it no it's fine okay so yeah i do i think it was a like at first i was like really that's the one that they're going to follow up with their big showpiece movie they're gonna follow up with ant-man and i think it was but the right fit, idea it fit nicely it fit nicely. yes so in what did you think of the villains rob um well the the initial villain who i i, I don't want to s- spoil it the the Weapons or the not really weapons no, runner, but like well, a the the main villain that you're that you're led to believe in the in the trailer, Ghost. Okay, yeah. Um, I actually really liked her story. Um, she does not need an origin story. They pretty much covered it in Ant Man and the Wasp. Yep, in um, what maybe a one minute sequence, if yeah, even. So so please, Marvel, don't don't go back and do a whole movie on it because we've already got it. Um. She was she was great. I really liked her story. I liked her motivation. It seemed believable. I liked that Lawrence Fishburne's character had lines he wasn't willing to cross mm-hmm. and and kind of reeled her in a little bit. Mm-hmm. The 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 mob guy seemed like they put him in there because they needed some kind of like actually evil villain character. Like they couldn't be like, "Well, you know, this character is not really evil." So, you know, why are we, why are we even having a movie about this? Um, so it'd be a Walton Goggins character, Sonny Birch. And I I will have to give out a mini shout out to Walton Goggins, who was my uncle's, uh, personal trainer out in California. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
as he was just getting started. So. What's up, Walt? <laughs> I do hope that someday he does Megacon. No. I'll chat You'll go him. say hi. Yeah. But so. I, I felt like they had to include him because they didn't technically have a villain villain, if you will. They had a villain who could have been diffused by just a couple of sentences, like saying, we'll help you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Or we'll try to help you, I guess, because they didn't know they could at the time. Right. So, yeah. By just there's, having there's... a conversation, the villain would not have been a villain. Yes. Which is also basically how most of the Seinfeld episodes would have worked too. Just having a conversation, right. the whole episode would well, have been over. Which which is even more which is even more confusing because the the person who was helping the villain was actually friends with um Michael Douglas's character. Or colleagues with Michael Douglas's character. So Yeah, there's a little bit to that. Um Michael Douglas's character, if you really if you don't see him as the hero just because he was Ant Man, he is very abrasive. So you could possibly understand uh, Dr. Bill Foster, which is Lauren Fishburn, Lawrence Fishburne's character. Mm-hmm. You can understand him not being super thrilled about actions that were taken that kind of eventually led to this ghost character being created. Right. Uh, a few, oh, and a few things about the ghost, like a few things comic wise. Ghost is actually my favorite Marvel villain of all time. Oh, really? From, from the comics. Uh, there's been, I think, two different versions in the comics. The first one was just like a spy. And he was an iron, and he was an Iron Man villain. Okay. Um, the second one was a very stinky character, which was a plot, a plot point that was in that basic costume that you saw. And he was sort of a anti, not really anti technology, but, uh, anti government type technology, but, you know, like the person, the people that they were, oh, Facebook is spying on you. One of those types. Mm-hmm. And, the fact that he was stinky, you eventually found out that very similar to this movie, that he was, he wasn't a character that was solid that could turn invisible or turn not non-corporeal. He was the other way around and he couldn't take off the costume in the comics. So the reason he stunk and you always knew he was around because they drew like little flies and stuff mm-hmm. was because if he came out of the costume, he was done. He was just going to evaporate. Oh, okay. And that's why he hated technology. And I thought both incarnations of those characters were cool because Iron Man in the comics was so powerful that no one could go up against him. He would just blast him in the like eighties. This is from like the eighties, I guess. But when ghost came out, it was like, Oh, well now we have to start. The stories became a lot better. That's why I liked him so much. Gotcha. But anyway, so I was really excited to see that. Um, and then you also mentioned Bill Foster. He was actually a character, um, right in the comics. He, he could grow, but he was a villain in the comics. And then sometimes a hero and sometimes a villain, but he was one of the characters that died causing the civil war story in the comics. He was really big and someone, I forget who basically went through his head and killed him. So it was interesting to see that character. And when I saw that character, I was like, Oh, he might actually be somewhat of a bad guy just because of the history of the character. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's like the comics connection with those two characters that I thought were kind of neat. Okay. So, so back, I guess back to the, back to the plot, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. there, Hope Van Dyne and her father, Michael Douglas's character, uh, realize that it's possible that her mother is still trapped in the quantum realm mm-hmm. and their, their, their hypothesis, I guess, is validated when Scott has a vision of Hope Van Dyne's mother and he calls them to talk about it, even though he's not supposed to have any contact with them. 
he leaves a message and they basically come kidnap him, even though he's got three days left on his house arrest. And then he's free as a bird. They, they come and kidnap him and replace him with a giant ant who wears his ankle bracelet. Yeah, at first I was really frustrated. I'm like, oh, come on, three days. And, get, you know, they played up the family aspect. And then they show, she was like, look, we know you have three days left. Don't worry, we've trained this ant to do all the things that you've been doing. You spent a really long time in the bath, and this giant ant has been wandering around playing drums and sitting in the bathtub and doing all the stuff he's been doing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Which I thought was really funny. I really, I liked the giant ant. I liked all the, the ants in this movie. Yeah, they um, were they were entertaining. And also entertaining was the friends, the criminal friends from the first movie, uh, Lewis and uh, Kurt. <laughs> He was Lewis was one of my favorite parts of the movie when when they gave him the truth serum and he just like went yeah, off like, like one of those like, things I like forgot Trump about Goonies. like I totally forgot about his like long winded storytelling <laughs> like like Trunk and Goonies you want to know everything okay when I was five <laughs> yeah what, what were you saying Jimmy Chunk was in this movie yeah man you got to see this World? movie yes oh, okay Wayne's World Chunk Flash it's got everything yeah. And then uh, David or Kurt, played by David Desmalchin, who you guys might remember as the cop from Dark Knight that was kidnapped by the Joker or that was like turned by the Joker. And when they did the the ceremony, mm-hmm. uh, he was also very randomly. I happen to know him from uh, he was on like a cell phone commercial where he was like oh, talking to his mother in law. Yeah, he was talking to his mother in law. But like he's a I guess an actor from Chicago and he gets these little parts and he he steals the show. And he played, he played like a Russian criminal, but now he's a Russian security specialist who is scared of the Baba Yaga, which is a ghost, I guess a ghost-like creature. Actually, Jimmy, that's what you can do since you haven't seen the movie. Look up Baba Yaga and tell us the story when we, when you figure it out. Witch. The story of, yeah, it's a, a witch, but. Witch. His little, uh, part is great. Good job. With, with the Baba, Baba Yaga stuff. Yeah, he's, he's pretty funny. But the, the movie, you know, even, even though it gets serious at parts, it still maintains that air of of lightheartedness. Mm-hmm. That even even when you get to the serious parts, they just don't really seem all that serious, just because of Ant Man. Yeah, he's he's kind of like a for for lack of a better comparison, he's kind of like Deadpool, where he's kind of like joking the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Just a lot cleaner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's got he's got a daughter. He's got to look exactly. Uh, speaking of the family side of things, I love the way they handled the stepfather and like, it's Bobby kind of, kind of Ali and like, they didn't make him like the kind of asshole stepfather. Yeah. And like, even my wife kind of said that, you know, after the movie, like they always have like the, the guy that marries the ex-wife is always maybe nice to his, nice to her face and then cheating on her on the side or, or a jerk mean to her ex or yeah, something like that. And this character, it was just refreshing. Like it's just a positive family for the for the kid, mm-hmm. and it was just it it didn't need anything more than that. It was just, and you could kind of see it in the last episode. And he's kind of rooting for for um, Scott Lang to do it and not be a criminal anymore. Right. Well, because he knows that he knows that his wife's daughter love. You know, it's it's that whole thing. He's not threatened by Scott because he knows there's no way that his wife is going to be interested in getting back with the father of her child. So he's perfectly content in, you know, let it, you know, having, having the kid hang out with him, having him be around, you know, it, he's content with them all being a family because he's mm-hmm. not threatened by Scott at all. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was a good little kind of callback. 
to the beginning or to the first movie. And there was a, there were a few things. Oh, and I guess the other thing family wise is, uh, the Janet Van Dyne character who is trapped in the, the quantum verse. What did you think about her? My, (laughs) my first question, and I had a little bit of trouble getting over it. My first question was, how the hell is she still alive? She's been trapped into quantum realm for 30 years. She has aged, which means time has passed and there's no food. How did she survive? And they never yeah. addressed that. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> now, now if she had come out at exactly the same age, I'd be like, okay, time doesn't pass. You mm-hmm. know, okay, I can give you that one. Yeah, maybe but, she was eating those tardigrade things, those little oh, tiny like miniature water bears that were trying to eat them. Well, but even those were those were huge, and he went even smaller than that. So that that doesn't I count. <laughs> I'm like, how? How how is she still alive? She's had no food and no water for thirty years, and obviously time has passed. So what gives? Yeah, I was wondering about that too, and it sort of briefly made me think about some of the surprises, the surprise characters you saw in Infinity War that were trapped in certain places, mm-hmm. and we didn't really spoiler warning Infinity War, so I'm not going to say who. But I think you guys know who I'm talking about. No, I have no yeah. idea who you're talking about. The the surprise character in Infinity War that has been trapped for since the forties, Garth. Yes, Garth. Captain America. Well, there we go. Yes. Jimmy has Good spoiled job, it for Jimmy. y'all. Spoiler Just warning. Leap it, it out. Write it down. 1837. Go beep. Okay. So, yeah. But, one, I think Marvel's doing a really good job with the de-aging technology. Like the... the oh, man. Company. They did a fantastic job with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Kurt... Uh, I almost said Kurt Russell. Lawrence Fishburne and... and uh, and Kirk uh, Kirk Douglas, yeah, yeah, they they did a great job. It was super mm-hmm. believable. I was like, dang. Mm-hmm. And then my I second think... thought when Michelle Pfeiffer took off her mask, I'm like, damn, she still looks good. All right, yeah, that's true. She, yeah, she aged well. Yes, so good. It didn't take me out of the movie. I mean, the fact that I knew that they did it, but it didn't. It wasn't so jarring. It was like, oh, like uh, certain Superman mustache removals. <laughs> <laughs> so. I thought that was that was really good. It was well done, and it again it was it fit the movie pretty well. Uh, there's a couple other things that I think is going to lead to kind of the next w- level of Marvel that some, possibly might answer some of your questions, Rob. Okay. So first of all, Ghost it survives throughout the movie and survives in a way as a a good guy with some having done some problematic things in the past mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as like an assassin for Shield, like Deadpool. Yeah. So Ghost is a character in a team called the Thunderbolts. And Thunderbolts was a team that in the comics started off as this like over the top superhero team that everyone kind of cheered on. And it turned out that they were actually the masters of evil. Like it was revealed, I think at the end of the first issue. Okay. Uh, And they were led by um, uh, the villain from... They didn't make you wait long for that reveal, did they? <laughs> well, I mean, it was a very random thing that came out. Like this one, te- like they were a generic super team, and I think if they didn't do that reveal, the comic wouldn't have lasted. Gotcha. It was led by um, the villain from Civil War, uh, from Captain America: Civil War. Yeah, the guy that whose family had gotten hurt and was kind of doing all of the stuff. Anyway, they were led by him. He was actually a super villain, not just a regular guy. And, Aaron something or other, wasn't it? Uh. Thunderbolts. 
uh, uh, Zemo. Yeah, Baron, Baron Zemo. Baron Zemo, yeah. And it was actually a bunch of, like, criminals dressed up as superheroes that they were going to use to basically come into power. Eventually, they kind of became a Suicide Squad type type thing. And in the, the Suicide Squad-ish one, they were led by Luke Cage from the Luke Cage TV show. And they contained the character Ghost as well as a bunch of other characters. So it is entirely possible that as Ghost has survived this and said, I really want to do more movies and there's been talks about it, they might head towards a Thunderbolts type movie. Okay. Um, and there, I think there's not many characters that have not like fill in characters that haven't been killed, but I think there's enough. You know, there's the Ghost is in it, Juggernaut of all people, which mm-hmm. might end up being their crossbones. So it's characters we've seen, I don't remember. There's a, there's an Asgardian troll that's on the team. So it might be kind of a cool little story, and I think that might be a direction they're going. So that's one thing. Um, kind of like a Suicide Squad? Yeah, like, you know, reform villains kind of thing, but actually done well. Um, the other thing that they that they hinted at was Cassie, who's his daughter. In the comics, she is a character named Stature, and she is a character that, due to the fact that she's been around all these chemicals and things that have been able to shrink stuff, that she can actually shrink and get bigger without any sort of special powers. Her special suit. Okay. And well, but the, I see this is where this is where I start to ask questions about the physics because isn't one of the reasons that they wear the suit because the suit has self-contained oxygen because once they get like super small they can no longer breathe the oxygen. Uh, in the comic, she doesn't get that small. Okay. Like she doesn't go like microscopic. She can, you know, she can get smallish if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But she was on a team called the Young Avengers, so it could be you know something they do in the future because she they do kind of put the camera on her and she's like, I want to be able to help out kind of thing. Yeah. Well, then they also, the, I, I saw recently that there was a casting call that went out for an older, uh, an older version of her character. Oh, really? I did not yeah. see that. Yeah. They, they have, they have sent out a casting call for an older version of her character. Okay. You said her name was Cassidy. Cassie. Cassie. Yeah. Yes. That's interesting. Uh, and the last little tie in now this, this one, they were vague on purpose, but it has been verified. So throughout the thing, the Walton Goggins character is trying to steal the building because of all the technology contained inside of it for someone, and they never say who it is. Um, the writer of this movie said that if everything goes well, it's actually going to be uh, Harry Harry Osborn or the Green Goblin. Oh, okay. Um, and that Marvel has specifically said about the Sony Spider-Man movies, do not use him yet, which is why you haven't seen him in the the third incarnation of the Spider-Man movies. So while we don't know if this deal is actually going to go through, I think a, a shareholder just kind of sued to try to prevent it for some reason. Um, that's just, you know, that's floating around out there. Wait, well, hang on a second. So is Baba Yaga going to be in any of these incarnations? No, no Baba Yaga. No, no I, Baba Yaga. I would totally see a Baba Yaga movie. Baba Yaga is in Russian folklore, a witch that travels through the forest. She's not really sedentary. Um, she kind of spins around her hut, disappears, and then it, you know, pops up wherever. She's got big old chicken legs, and she's real scary looking. And if you go into her hut, you have to answer a question. Were you sent there, or did you come on your own free will? And one of those questions is the right answer. All in all, sounds pretty terrifying. That's kind of, yeah, that's pretty terrifying. I'm looking at some pictures yeah. of... Sounds kind of like the beginning of Disney's Brave. All right, so I, I guess moving on with the plot, um, everybody is interested in this mini shrunken down lab. You know, 
the the mob guy wants to steal it for his buyer. Ghost wants to steal it so she can heal herself. And the Van Dynes want it so that they can get into the quantum realm to rescue, you know, Hope's mother, his wife, and get her out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the technology that they need is there, which is why everybody wants it. And And that kind of leads us to the end of the movie where, you know, we rescue Hope's mom. We find a way to help Ghost and the mob guy doesn't get anything. I'm not usually picky on certain things, but I did think it was interesting that like the building was being passed around and thrown around and handed off and whatever. And they had people was out of place that they had people that were very small inside of said building that they didn't even do one like camera shake as this like car was driving down. Well, they kind of did. They they kind of did because it was the scene where he was going into the quantum zone and the computer lost tracking and he had to sit there and he's like, what is going on up there? And, and that was when the, the little water bears or whatever they were, were coming to eat his little pod thing. Mm-hmm. And then it got the tracking back and he got even smaller. Yeah. But they didn't do like the kind of camera jolt type thing. I mean, they were jumping down. Uh, what's that road? The famous curvy road in San Francisco. Oh, uh, Lombard uh, street. Yeah. They were like jumping down Lombard street as, you know, as a matchbox car. I love the matchbox car thing, by the way. I thought that was such a cool idea. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. And and did you notice that when they went back into the into the lab, everything was perfectly in place? Yeah, yeah. There was no nothing on the floor. It was, so I thought that was a little. No furniture was out of place. Nothing weird. slid Although, while the while the building was like tumbling end over end. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was a little problematic, but also I think just plot wise, it would have been pain in the butt. Like it was a pretty quick movie, and <laughs> if they had to like stop to repair stuff. Yeah. Like, I kind of understand why they did it. I don't think it was just an oversight. I think it was just kind of a, that's not really the main part of the story. So let's just hope that no one else notices. Right. Well, we noticed. Yes. Marvel, get your stuff together. Exactly. You would have made $80 million on opening week instead of 79 had you handled the broken a few test tubes or something. That's right. Jerks. Anyway, so the movie, you know, closed out really well. I thought the, I thought the ending was great. It had, it had humor. And, and and right up until the post credit scene, or the first post credit scene, because there were two. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure you stay through the end of the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, right up until the first post credit scene, I was fixing to be a little bit disappointed because I was like, "How are they going to have a whole movie and not reference this gigantic event that went down, you know, before this movie came out?" Yeah, like a month and a half ago. Right. So, since you are a big fan of the end credit scenes, Rob. Go ahead. All right. Well, they found a way to help Ghost, and they they shrink down their their quantum tunnel and fit it in a van so that they can be portable and do what they need to do with it, and it helps hide it hides it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and they've got Scott going into the quantum realm to collect this quantum energy that helps to stabilize Ghost. And so they're they're doing what they can to help her. And they send they send Scott in, and you know Hope and her mom and her dad are all there working the equipment and everything. And they send Scott in, he collects the quantum energy and he's talking to them. And all of a sudden their comms go quiet and he's like, he's, Hey, it's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're out in three, two. I think they, they numbered it down or they counted right. it down like, three, two. And then it goes quiet. And then it, and then their comms go silent and he's like, Hey, Hey, is, is anybody out there? What's going on? Hey, what's going on? What? And, and they, and you know, he's starting to freak out a little bit and then they pan out of the quantum realm to the computers where where the Van Dynes are all at, and it and there's three piles of ash. 
Yeah, like floating down. Yep. So, so the snap happened it... at the end of Ant-Man's movie. Yes. Now, so of course Ant-Man is now stuck in the quantum zone. Yes. But I think there was something else in there too. I'm trying to... Some sort of shark now. Yes. Right before he goes in there, did you notice that they said something like stay away from the chrono something, chrono storms or something like that? Okay. Not not explicitly, but yeah. Like she, I, I'm trying to remember exactly. Stay out she, of the stay out of the something or other. Yeah, yeah, which implies that there's some sort of travel time travel situation going on in there. So it's okay. possible that this could be one of the ways that they can figure out how to make all of the Infinity War stuff not happen. Okay, I've it was way too telegraphed to not mean something. So I thought that was. Definitely something like that's we know that he's not one of the people that disappeared. We know that Doctor Strange saw something. So I think that's possibly something. It, it could be, but that can't be all there is. No, there's got to be more to it. I mean, the... yeah, because well, but the thing is, is I mean, if he goes back in time and basically takes control of the Infinity Gems before Thanos can get control of Infinity, because that, that was one theory that I heard that completely negates the need to keep Tony Stark alive, which was one of the things that he said in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Say, Tony, this was the only way where he traded the time gem for Tony's life, basically. Yeah. This was the only way, Tony. And if all it takes is for Ant-Man to go back in time, then Tony saving Tony's life was completely irrelevant, and he didn't need to give Thanos the time gem. Well, the, those quant- those chrono storms might be what's fueling the time gem. Like, the, a lot of these things always tied in together. Mm-hmm. So it's entirely possible that the energy that's being shown there is part of what's fueling some of these other things, because it's all fuzzy science, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Ant-Man in and of itself is fuzzy science. Yeah as we can explain with the, the physics of, you know, something getting smaller and still hitting like a Mack truck. But yeah. Um, oh, speaking of which I didn't mention before, if you are really into like action sequences and stuff, uh, Peyton Reed, the director did a breakdown of how they did the kitchen battle with wasp. And oh, nice. Okay. It's, it's like 10 minutes longer. So it's really cool. And it's, it's cool for people that like know how it's done. It's also cool for people that are just kind of interested in, how they film that kind of stuff and where what's real and what's not. It was really neat. So you can find that. They, I, th- I think I saw it on io9. But They had some really, really great fight scenes in that movie. And actually, the car chase scenes were really good as well. Mm-hmm. And they used the, the the shrinking technology in interesting, fun ways. Yes. But I thought it was very cool. And and the phasing technology as well. Yeah. I guess the, the last thing was the would be the mid-credit scene or the end-credit scene, I guess. And it was just kind of a – it was kind of a throwaway joke. But it also showed kind of the extent of some other stuff, too, I thought. So it was basically just the ant kind of playing along on the drum set, the little electronic drum set, because no one else was around. Yeah. But what you also had was the test pattern on the TV showing that how, like, widespread this... I mean, we know that the Thanos thing killed half of everyone. But it was interesting seeing it through the 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 alarms going off and the car crash sounds and the test pattern, which I thought was a pretty good way to... To show the just how bad everything is now, mm-hmm. and uh, that's really the not the last Marvel movie, but it's the last Marvel movie up before Captain Marvel, which just finished filming this week. Isn't it supposed to be out this year? Uh, March eighth, two thousand nineteen. Oh, I thought it was later this year. No, so it's next spring is the next Marvel movie, and I, like I said, they just finished filming this week. That 
Honestly, that surprises me. I, I'm surprised that Marvel has no entrant for the fall season. Well, Thor was their first one, I think. Well, the Thor movies used to come out around Thanksgiving time. I think that's what we got. We'll have Captain Marvel and then, of course, Avengers 4. Yeah. So, guys, Ant-Man and the Wasp is really fun. Go see it. Yes, I recommend it. It's not going to be the best entrant in the Marvel in the Marvel Universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it is an enjoyable one. And and I do have to say that there haven't been a ton of the the MCU movies that have been complete duds. Mm-hmm. For for the most part, they've all been pretty decent. I'm trying to think of which ones were duds. I didn't too much care for which one was it? Iron Man two. Iron, Iron Man, Man two, 3. I didn't like. Yeah. Iron Man 3 was okay, but I, I really did not like Iron Man 2. And Incredible Hulk was okay, but it was before this. Well, but you can't... The the first two didn't... I, I don't think they were actually really part of the, the MCU. Ed, the Ed Norton one was actually considered part of it. Oh, was it? Because it came out after Iron Man, and it had a it had a uh, post-credit scene that was part of it. But, oh, okay. And it was okay. Let's get to the question. All right, guys, so that brings us to our question for the week. And we came to this question by uh, kind of talking about the movie Tao, how it really just takes place in one room, one building. You never see the outside of it. Um, So the question that came about was, what movies that take place in a single room or building make your top five? This is a good one. It is. I started making a list and... I mean, very few movies take place 100%. So there's most of them that are going to hit any list are going to be like 95%. And I think that kind of counts. Mm-hmm. Cause they're always going to do the thing where they shoot a dream sequence or a, an approach shot or some sort of shot of some other area. But I think, uh, uh do you want me to go first? Sure. I, I might have some that, that will require a, a judge's ruling, but. Go ahead. Okay. okay. Are, are you you're actually going to go first for once? I, I will. Do it, Greg. Do it. Okay. So um, I believe my first one is going to be something that actually came out pretty recently, and that is Hateful Eight. Uh, it's Quentin Tarantino. It is a as I'm as I tend to say is a slow burn movie, but I liked the suspense. I liked the how no one trusted anybody. It was basically the thing, but in a in a yeah. And a cabin. Um, so that's number five. Uh, number four is a, I believe, Canadian movie called Cube. I saw this on video when I worked at Blockbuster. Is it that was the basically one with these... Jennifer Lopez? I don't believe so. Was, um, let me look, but I don't believe that. It's basically these guys wake up in this box. Oh, there's guys yeah. and girls, there's a bunch of people. And... That was Cell, Rob. Oh, yeah. Okay. Never mind. So Cube is from 1997. It was, it was made in Canada. Basically, they they literally filmed that in one room, and they just changed up the lighting in the room. Uh, there is, I'm pretty sure none of the people became famous. Uh, Nicole DeBoer, Nikki Guadagni, David Hewlett, Andrew Miller. But <laughs> Nikki Guadagni. Yeah, easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And they wake up in this room. It's very futuristic. There's no explanation as to what it is. They do a lot of things with, like, people getting sliced with wires and then slowly falling apart into chunks. And it's, there's actually some math in it. It was just a really interesting movie. And it was one of those under the radar horror movies that I really enjoyed. Uh, number three, speaking of horror movies, I'm going to have to go with saw. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit earlier and it was just a, a good movie. It's good. Carrie always. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was, 
Carrie always is always good. Yeah. And there was, you had some twists and turns and it was, you know, left you with a, a feeling like you saw something you should have seen. You shouldn't have seen when you left the theater. Uh, number two, going to go classic for my two and my number one. Number two is going to be rear window, mm-hmm. guy in a wheelchair, slowly, he's bored, he's looking out the window, he's imagining a murder, or possibly there is a murder, and done by Hitchcock, and it really, uh, what word am I looking for here? Almost created the one room movie. And uh, number one, talked about it a few weeks ago, but 12 Angry Men. Classic in, yeah. you know, courtroom drama, great screenwriting. Spoiler alert, that might be on my list, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it's on most of our lists. But, you know, if you've... I'm guessing most people have seen that movie just because I, I saw it in high school. Yeah, it was it was one uh, that, they did, that they did for school, for us, anyway. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I saw it in the in my English. law class in high school. Or was oh, it English I, class? I think, I think it was English class. Yeah. But that, that's my number one. So those are my uh, my my five. Very good. Solid, solid. Jimmy, well, do you want me to go next or do you want to go next? How about I go last this time? That's, All right. That's new. All right. We'll give you that option. Um, Thank you. So for, for, my, for my five, I think I've actually got more than five because I've got a couple that I think need some, some judges, uh, judges' rulings. Um, okay. Because for my number five, I might try and slip in the hunt for Red October. Mm. Does that count being on a submarine for like most of the movie? <laughs> well, um, well, Das think- Boot does count because that is it's a German movie. It wait, it, it counts because it's a German movie. <laughs> no, it's it, I mean it. It literally. <laughs> doesn't count because it's a German movie. It counts and it's a German movie because it's the entire movie takes place on the submarine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say no. Okay. Uh, because we do see, well, that's a tough one. It's essentially do, two submarines. It's the red October and the American submarine for like the whole movie. Because there's two. Okay. Greg, what do you think? I've never seen it. What? You jerk face. I've never seen 12 angry men. So that's okay. Oh, um, I, I, what else do you? I have? will say that the Hunt for Red October has probably the 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 best use of a of a video video tool in in the whole getting out of the whole subtitle thing because in the beginning of Hunt for Red October, instead of giving you subtitles for the whole movie, they've got the characters speaking Russian on the submarine, and the camera does like this slow pan. Right onto the guy who's speaking, who is speaking, they 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 pan right into his mouth, and they slowly back out. And as they back out, he changes from Russian to English. So they kind of give you this, "Hey, we're going to translate this for you." And then they back out, and then the rest of the the rest of the movie is in English. And I was like, "Oh man, that was a, that was really creative. I actually really liked that." Um, but okay, so Hunt for Red October is a no. We'll see. I'm trying to see what I was seeing instead of that movie. Because there was something else that came out around the same time. That's why I didn't see it. Did it take place in one room? <laughs> it did not. Then it's not important. What's your number four, Rob? What a, What about, well, I'm trying to find a new number five now. What about Castaway? Does that count? No, that takes place over a whole island. <laughs> I would say no. It's still one island. And on an airplane. Mm, damn you guys. And afterwards, he gets home. Spoiler alert. 
Buys. Uh, you can use bre- You can use Breakfast Club because I forgot to put that in my list. What about Speed? <laughs> no. It's on a bus. Like the whole movie. And, <laughs> like, and in building. Oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll use the Breakfast Club as my number five. Okay. Okay. Um, for my, this is going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> for my number four, uh, I'm going to use Saw. That, that made my list as okay. well. For my number three, I'm going to submit for your approval from Dusk Till Dawn. Because pretty much... Like, 90% of the movie takes place in that bar. I think I might be able to accept that one. Yes! Finally, I got one. There's, like, an opening sequence with, like, a bank robbery, correct? Well, it, yeah. it, it's an opening sequence of a bank robbery and them driving to the bar. They drive to the bar, and the family in the Winnebago drives to the bar, and then the rest of the movie takes place in the bar. I'm going to give that one, too. Okay. J- Jimmy didn't sound like he wanted to. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have... Because Jimmy's the one that actually receives all of the angry emails from Kerwin. Eh. So we'll, we'll know that one's coming. <laughs> all right. Um, for my number two, I'm going to use Evil Dead 2. It takes place in that cabin in the woods. Jimmy? Now, that that almost made my list, but it doesn't entirely take place in the cabin. Um, I, I'll allow it because I thought of that one, and then as I was looking, I saw some other ones that kind of push that off. Mm-hmm. So I'll say yay. Okay. Okay. And then my number one is easy. It's already on Greg's list. It's 12 Angry Men. That one does not count. They, no, it, that takes place... In two, in the courtroom and the jury yeah. room. So that's... Yeah, that's no, and that outside. It was in a bus at one point. <laughs> I just Going began. very quickly. Yeah. They were filming a TV show. I'm kidding. I don't... I've never seen it. Yeah, it's... it's uh, that, That's a good number one. Okay. Jimmy, you're chart in uncharted territory here. You are going last. I am, and I'm I'm very actually pleased with my list. Uh, so my number five is going to be the movie Wreck, which was uh, the movie that they based. You know, the English version of that was Quarantine. Uh, Wreck was an absolutely fantastic film. Took place inside of one apartment building. Um, great film, truly terrifying. My number four is The Man from Earth. That one I have not heard of. Wreck I've heard of. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Uh, The Man from Earth was actually recommended by our co-worker, Scott. And, man, is it good. It takes place inside of one room, and they're trying to find out who the hell this guy is, and it has an amazing twist at the end. Hmm. Number three, maybe another one you guys haven't heard of, because I always call it the wrong movie. I always call it Test. Uh, this movie is called Exam. I've heard of it. Haven't seen it. Great. Great movie. One of those, either, but I'm, one I'm of those surprises. Yeah, one of those surprises that was on Netflix, and I just watched it, and I was glued to it the whole time. Number two, Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. My number one, a little controversial. Um, there are shots from different places, but for the most part, it takes place in a hideout. And that is Reservoir Dogs. And you're not going to... You didn't want to give me from dusk till dawn, but you're taking Reservoir Dogs? Screw you, Jimmy! (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. In Reservoir Dogs, we've got the the street outside of the building. They don't show the heist. They very briefly show the heist. Just running away from it. They don't actually show it, like, really happening. Um, Because we gave him him from dusk till dawn. Don't they have some scenes in cars, too? You want me to replace it? 
no, no. You no, want me to put no, something no, else on there? No, 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 no. no, no. No, no, I, I was just pointing out that that one probably had about as much as From Dusk Till Dawn that was not in the building, and you didn't want to give me From Dusk Till Dawn. I gave you From Dusk Till Dawn. <laughs> he did. He did. It's on your list. Uh, I accept I Reservoir down. Dogs. Okay, because I, I can do another one. No, Fine. No, no, no. Or I can just quit. <laughs> there there were quite he a few when we, when we thought about this question. There were quite a few that should have could have also made lists. Um, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yep. A uh, brilliant performance by John Goodman, Ex Machina, Misery. Uh, yeah, honorable mention for me is the movie Buried. Yeah, oh, I've not seen that. I haven't either. I, I, Buried was there, great. There were some that did make my list just because I didn't see them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like Rope by uh, another Hitchcock movie, Panic Room, which for some reason uh, it looks like I wrote Penile Room on the list here. <laughs> but it is definitely Panic Room. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's there's more than I thought there was. When I when we posed this question, I was like, "Oh, that's hopefully there's enough." And then I started looking at lists, and it was like, "God, there's hundreds." Yeah, uh, there's a list of 107 on IMDb. Yeah, some oh, of them so are a little. Yeah. Some of them are a little bit incorrect, though. The there's, the, there's a the few list that, I found on IMDb only had like like 19 of them. I was like, "What?" Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm, uh, I forgot to write down Pontypool. So. I don't know that one. I'll, I'll stick with my list. Pontypool, you might be able to find it on Netflix. It's a horror movie inside of a radio station. Okay. There's, there was a Bel- Robert Downey Bel- Jr. Bel- movie Bel- that I loved. Belco Experiment, yeah. There's a Robert Downey Jr. movie on that I love. No, it was uh, Two Girls and a Guy with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Heather Graham. <laughs> one Cup. Yeah, it was oh. before that. It was like 1997, and it was like two girls waiting for a guy, and they realize it's the same one, and they like they torture him, but it like – it was kind of a comedy, but kind of a one of those like set pieces for acting. And it was I loved that movie back in the day. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. So there's, there's quite a few. Uh, should we try to piece together a list? I think it actually might be easy. If we piece together like the definitive list. I, I think we can, and I think it's uh, a very, even though I haven't seen it, it's a very unanimous number one. That would be twelve angry. Twelve angry men would be number one. I think Breakfast Club needs to be in there. I think Reservoir Dogs needs to be in there. Reservoir Dogs is really good. I just have a hard time watching it multiple times. That's the only reason it didn't end up end up on my list because it's painful. Um, it points. <laughs> yeah, here I am stuck in yeah. the middle. That was one of the best uses of a, a song, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. Which could be a question um, someday, actually. I think that should be because I can think of several already. Mm-hmm. Um, Twelve Angry Men, yep. uh, Reservoir Dogs for number two. Yep. Uh, Breakfast Club at number three. Rob, what say you? That did make your list. Sure. I can yeah. give you that. Okay. I want to I want to say that Evil Dead Two zone. should be in there though. I will agree with that. Yeah, that can go four. And I think Saw five. Uh yeah. yeah. I think, well Okay. Well I, rear window also. I uh, yeah, I was I was just thinking rear window, actually. Uh, I think everything should bump down one from two. Like Twelve Anger Man, then Rear Window. Because those those were the two pioneering movies. So we're leaving off Saw. Yes. I, and then Reservoir Dogs, I, Breakfast Club, and Evil Dead. So it was Tango, 12 Angry Men, Rear Window, Window, Reservoir Dogs, Breakfast Club, Breakfast Club, and The Evil Dead 2. Man, I was trying to run DMC with you, but you just wouldn't give it to me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and it's, it's tricky. Come, it's come up twice now. It's tricky. If you haven't seen 12 Angry Men... We strongly recommend that you give it a look because it's an 
excellent, excellent movie. All right, you guys are talking to me. I got it. Fine. <laughs> Rob, I don't think he's taking the hint. Well, I tried to give it to him as blatantly as I could. I know. Well, guys, thank you for listening. And special thanks to Omar for sending in the question. Thank you, Omar. Thank you, Omar. And we will be back next week with some more goodies. I'm not sure what yet, but there'll be something interesting, I hope. The Tupperware Museum. Yeah, what's that? That's a thing? Someone mentioned it on our, our oh, Instagram. On Twitter. Or Twitter. Or Twitter. Yeah. Or, was it Twitter or Instagram? One of, the, one of them. I did, I did not know that was here. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued. So maybe maybe that'll be a thing next week. Who knows? I, I think I've, I've already got some topics stored away for next week. Uh, I've got Gunship, New Midnight, possibly a bad movie in there. Should be fun. Thanks for wow. listening. I'm Greg. I'm Rob. I'm Jimmy. <laughs> and we'll never, ever get that right. Um, no, you didn't miss anything weird. I just talked about you the whole time you were gone.